0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show.
1: Welcome to another episode of Business Black Belts. I'm David Golding, and I'm here with Jim Shurek from Explorer
0: Medical. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm great, Dave. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you here, especially because... Um, you have your own podcast, Medical Sales Nation, which I want to dig into that and, and learn some more about your experience there. Cause, uh, I know you've had a lot of success and, and, um, you know, we aspire to, you know, have the kind of influence and impact that you've had so far with your podcast. Sure. Sounds great. So maybe we just start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Sure. So, um, born and raised Chicago, South side, White Sox fan. So, uh, Families from uh, the Midway airport. Um, but uh, i uh, I've been in the medical device field for about twenty eight years, um, mainly in startups. so I started uh, in spinal implants and then uh, went to pain management, which would be an implantable device that stimulates, sends electronic currents into the spinal cord to block block pain receptors and um, then into cochlear implants for. Uh, for the deaf, and then into um, ENT, sinus procedures, and now into digital health. So what I do is I go into these organizations, um, build up the sales teams, um, work hand-in-hand with marketing, come up with value props, messaging, clinical training, sales training, management, execution, and uh, try to sell them, uh, sell the companies, go public, and, and both. So... So, how many times have you have you done
1: that? As far as kind of that process that you just talked about, go in yes. and help.
0: Get yeah, ready for I've, a... I've been in five M um, and A activities, and uh, the first one, um, I was just a soldier. Um, it's my in spinal implants. A company called Sophomore Danic that was acquired by Medtronic. I started off as a ten ninety nine rep and left as the VP of Sales and Development. Like nine years later, but. I can't really take a lot of credit for that one. That There's a lot of great people that did that. But that was kind of my starting career in the startup world. And then the other four, I was the VP of sales that built them um, up from scratch where it was a turnaround as well. So that they were struggling and came in and turned it around. But um, all of them got acquired. And one we took public then got acquired. So... That's some exciting
1: stuff. So uh, do you find that uh, or have you found that in these five different situations, um, you know, after that first one, have the other four been very similar as far as, um, you know, essentially kind of like I don't, I don't want to compare it to a, a cookie cutter. But I yeah, think, no, you know, they're
0: all different. And so yeah. the thing is, is that there's methods and processes um, that you go through to build a commercial organization. Those I call it more of an outline. <clears throat> so it's an outline. It's um, y- you know it's a, it's a box that needs to be filled in based on company culture, product, um, the marketplace in which you're going into, the specialty. Um, it, there, there's so many other things that can impact them. It's similar in the in the methods and 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 approach, but every company is different. So the value propositions are different, but they're arranged in the same way. And when I talk about value propositions, especially in healthcare, it's, you know, when people don't know a lot about healthcare, they don't know about a lot about like devices. We sell to surgeons, but the surgeons don't pay for the product. The hospital pays for the product. And so um, now when I was in sinus, we were actually moving sinus procedures from the hospital into the doc's office. And he was He and she was doing procedures in the office. That's a completely different cell. They're buying it. Um, But you talk about the value, the the propositions to uh, the patient, the practice, the doctor, the healthcare system and the hospital. And those are all tied to clinical value financial value and strategic value to that multi-headed customer. So you use that as a framework to be able to understand where your value props are going to go so that you can effectively communicate it versus, hey, look at my shiny new widget that has X amount of features. I'm big on, you know, features never, I'm big on actually when we do sales training, not even to bring the product out until the second or third call, just constantly talking about the business, you know, their medicine is a business, even though patients are at, at their at hand. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. What What if you could do this? What's the benefit of that? And you're having these value-based conversations versus product conversations. And a lot of times, most of the times, docs will come back and say, and whether it's hospital administrators or nurses or whoever, will say, Well, what are you selling, right? And it's like, Well, it doesn't really matter uh, if I can't add value to your to your practice, it doesn't really matter. Let's try to understand what you're doing and how you're doing it, how it could be better, what you would do. Then if it's a fit, then I'll show you the product. But until then, it's just features. And that really gets people's attention because it's a different way. Most people, most reps will just go, hey, look at my new shiny, you know, toy. And I was on a sales call. I wasn't on a sales call. I was sitting in an operating room, uh, surgeon's lounge. And in in the spine world, and this rep came in from a competitive company. I'm sitting next to the surgeon. We just did a, a case, a cervical fusion case, neck. It's in your neck. And this competitive rep comes in, and he takes a, a cervical plate, literally throws it to the doc, and goes, "Hey, what do you think about my cervical plate?" The doc catches it, looks at it, and tosses it back, just like every other one I've seen. You know, <laughs> and I was like, "That was your sales call, right?" I go that yeah. If your team saw you do that, they would kill you, you know, but, and that's it, it's over. There's no coming back. You just threw up and you didn't provide any value. So I've always been just a big believer on, and I think that's why these companies have been successful is to focus in on the value and what that value means is different for everybody, but that's why. I say you've got to sell to the multi-headed customer in healthcare. you got to figure out what that value is, hone it in, say it in 10 seconds so you can have meaningful, impactful conversations in a short time. And so you follow that. And that's not the whole process. That's part of the process. But every company, as they fill that empty void of a box, of a funnel, of, a, of, of an outline, is different. But it's the process that's the same. Yes, makes
1: uh, a lot of sense and, and actually um, correlates really well with my background in IT sales and IT security sales. And even what I'm doing now here at the Veth Group, I mean, so much of it is, you know, rather than... And of course, you know, you always get in these situations where people want to ask the questions, right? The prospect and the customer wants to wants to do all the asking. Um, but I think the quicker we can turn that around and understand, and I say this to them, right? I mean... I can sit here and talk to you about a lot of different things relative to what we do but it's probably a better use of our time to talk about what you're doing and whether or not there's anything I can do to help. That's right. And and it's amazing how much better things go and and um for, for and not just for me, right? It's really uh what what's best for them is for me to figure help them figure that out as quickly as possible, right? Yeah. Rather than um, and so with that said, I, I, one quick question is, so the guy who threw that implant at the surgeon, what was that? Do you have any idea what that sale would have been worth to him had he not screwed it up?
0: Yeah. So because when you're when like, like an implantable device for a doctor, it's a repetitive use. They don't do one a year. They're probably doing, you know, three to five a week. So if you were in what we would call converting all their business, sometimes a surgeon, especially orthopods, neurosurgeons will use 70% of one product vendor, 30% of one or two other ones, just to keep it mixed up, keep everybody on their toes. But yeah. if, if this rep would have gotten 30% of this stock's business, probably 200 grand in revenue, you know, yeah. if all of it would have been a half a million dollars in revenue, you know, and just... I mean, I've never forgotten that. and That's probably 20 years ago, you know, <laughs> you know, looking well, at it and going, that's, a, that's just a perfect example of, unfortunately, how training, and I blame that on sales training. I blame that on yes. clinical training. I blame that on culture. I, you know, I blame that on a lot of things that this rep, unfortunately, was put out there and wasn't given the right direction, the right coaching, the right mentorship to understand what it meant to be in sales and, you know, and and what truly sales is versus, um, you know, what you see on, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and right. And so, and, and the reps that, and I learned this early in my career that created value, even if the company couldn't create the value and tie the dots, um, or connect the dots together, but we're, able to go, wow, there's more value to this than the company even knows. And I, and create that have been the most successful reps that I've seen. Yes. And, and it's always about, you know, that's the one thing everybody says, well, it's about the customer. No, no, it is about the customer, right? There's nobody else involved except in healthcare. It's your customer's customer, which is the patient. So there's always that connection to the patient and the healthcare system. So that's why I'm saying is like, for us, in healthcare, it's a multi-headed customer. So you have to provide value to everyone. It has to be crystal clear. Those that can do that well are the ones that deliver the most, the ones that, and they're thinking about externally the customer versus internally, what am I going to get out of this as a salesperson? So it's always that, you know, keep that in mind. And if, um, and if you do that over the long run, you're just going to build a following and, your customers will be loyal because they know you're loyal to them and their patience and their practice, you know?
1: Yeah. It's powerful. And, uh, I'm so glad you brought up, uh, you know, value-based conversations. Cause I think, you know, I mean, we could do a, a whole podcast just on that and on, um, you know, tactics, um, which again, aren't designed, uh, to manipulate people. Their tactics, in that we want to have conversations that are meaningful in where we can help uh, our clients help their clients as quickly as possible. Right. Right. Um, and, and so finding out whether or not we can help the, the best way to do that is for us to have a back and forth rather than just, you know, me talking features and benefits. Uh, and, and uh, the the movie that you referenced, anybody who's listening to this, if, if they haven't seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and they're in sales, they have to go out and watch it yeah. right away. Or yep. just YouTube the uh, Alec Baldwin scene yeah. in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Right, and it'll exactly. Like-
0: <laughs> no, that's true. And boiler room yeah. is to as as well. If you haven't seen exactly ben, boiler you know? room,
1: yeah, the the Ben Affleck scene, yeah. which is a complete rip off of Alec Baldwin, but Ben yeah.
0: does a great job
1: with it. Yeah, you know, the
0: so thing cool. is, is just puts salespeople in such a bad light, right? And yeah. and that's what you know it ticks me off because, yeah, that's what bad sales looks like. You know, that whole boiler yeah. room is about taking advantage of people, and versus doing the right thing. And so. um, and, and that's why like value props if you got your value props down right and you're communicating them effectively and you're you're showing it goes beyond you people sense that they get that you're you're differentiating yourself and you do that by asking great questions and and that's just the beginning you ask a great question And I know people walk into a sales meeting and they have eight questions written down. So they ask the first question. They don't listen to the answer. They ask their second question. They don't listen to the answer. The person you're talking to is not an idiot. They know you're not listening. and You're just going through what somebody told you to ask versus ask one question. And this has happened um, through our sales training process that we've done where I've had sales reps run through. And we do role plays. We do scenarios where... Um, For us, it would be you're going to sell to the doc, the hospital administrator, the doctor's partner, the office manager, and the receptionist. And um, we've had people go, oh, this isn't realistic. And then they get out in the field, and they're like, wow, that was realistic. And I've had people come back, go, I asked the doc one question, and we spoke for an hour. Mm -hmm. And it's because you listened to the response, and you were asking questions, but it was just clarity to the first um, question you asked to, and the answer that you got, you just kept going deeper on that. Then it became a conversation. And if you can make that a conversation versus a sales call now, and you're going to go deeper and, and you're listening to the answer, you're paying attention to their needs and their wants and their pain if they have it. And, and that's just impactful. Yeah. Is there, so
1: you've, you've mentioned a lot about training and, and, um, it's really interesting because I've had some conversations the last few days because uh, you know in our business it's all about top of the funnel business development you know demand generation and so organizations um, oftentimes have turnover in their business development ranks right um, because uh, or or they have a lack of success and and one of the things that I've been taking a step back and talking with people about is you um, you know, there's an element of coaching that has to happen, right? So if, if you don't have that ability internally, um, then you need to go out and get it. And so, there, you know, there's training and coaching, so you need to invest in these people, uh, you know, which is really important. And then you also have to give them good tools because if you're just, you know, expecting them to come in and, and uh, you know, be able to, to make it rain without development and then, you know, the right tools to automate and make their process efficient... You're you're really setting yourself up for failure. So, that being said, what tools and what training, um, you know, whether it be internal stuff that you've developed or gone out and gotten, you know, have you uh, put into your toolbox?
0: Yeah. So it's not really about you know outside tools as much as it is. You you know when I would go into a company and you're being hired as the the, the VP of sales and. Usually these startups, I'm the first one or I'm the second one because it's a turnaround. It's sitting down with marketing and it's marketing, it's R&D, it's customer service, it's clinical and regulatory affairs and asking them very, very detailed questions about the product, especially marketing and R&D. Tell me about the product. Tell me why you think it works. What is the value? Who's the value to why do you think that's valuable? Why do you think the customer might think that is valuable? And then you do that with marketing and you get a ton of answers. Now I go sit down with R&D and I ask the same questions. I'll go sit down with the customer service team, try to figure out what those answers are. And then you'd be surprised that a lot of times it's you know similar, but there's a lot of times it's not even close. And because um, R&D created this device and they believe this device is the best device in the world, but why? And to who? And how do you how do you explain it? And and then bringing the groups together, saying this is what I heard. So I create this thing called the market value matrix, and the market value matrix is based on. Tell me about your products, right? Tell me about the technical um, differentiator of this product versus what's out there. Tell me the clinical value that this technological value has to the patient, the practice, the healthcare system. What's the financial value to the multi-headed customer, right? What's the strategic value? And lay that all out and say, you guys have all told me this is similar, but this is what's different. Let's talk about why we think it's different. And then when you start breaking it down, it's a matter of semantics. When I was with a company called Advanced Bionics, the pain management side, I had this engineer tell me, all you have to do is tell him that we have four independent current sources with tightly spaced contacts. Now, nobody on this probably knows what I'm talking about. Well, at the time, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, it just doesn't matter. You All you have to do is say that. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Right. And and then it was, well, if you can't say that, then you should hire electrical engineers to be your sales force. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And so So it came down to that four power sources with tightly spaced contacts generates, um, those four independent um, power sources create four independent areas of pain you can treat simultaneously at a much more deeper level within the nerve structure. Okay, what does that mean? That means you can treat focal low back pain with four different batteries hitting that site that nobody can... Take. So what does that mean? Doctor, you know those patients that have focal low back pain that you can't treat with conventional technology? Yeah? Now you can. Right? And mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? What does that mean to your practice? What does that mean to, you know, that the your the um, ASC or hospital you work with to be able to treat these patients to get them off opioids so you know they can have better lives? Totally different conversation than just saying four independent, you know, battery sources and tightly space contacts, right? And so that's the kind of tool, if you would call it, it's a system approach to go in and do that, then extract that information like we just did. And then you create value propositions. Those value propositions have to be explained within 10 seconds or less, or you're just bumbling around. Yeah. And so so from there, then, before you get to the value propositions, you have to ask good questions to get to it. So so that's the point where you go, doctor, going back to this pain management, tell me you know, your biggest challenges that you face. And some challenger salespeople would say it would be different now, but treating those focal low back pain patients. Well, like well, you can't treat focal low back pain patients. Well, why can't you treat focal low back pain patients? Well, the technology doesn't exist to do that. Why doesn't the technology exist to do that? What's the matter? What's wrong with that technology? And they would tell you, and then the next question would be, and this is 20 years ago that I'm remembering this stuff because it's, to me, it's just so easy, right? Is that, so if you were able to treat those patients with a similar technology, a similar approach with a highly advanced technology to treat focal low back pain patients, what would be the benefits to that patient? Well, they get off opioids, they'd be pain-free. And what does that do to your, your, your staff not having these patients coming in, asking for opioids, well Jim, it would change. it's like stupid questions. You're like, Yeah, Doc, I know. I said, So this is something that can really change your patients' lives, your practice, the the provider, you know, hospital system that you're working in and, and your staff being able to deal with patients at a higher level. Absolutely. What do you have? I haven't even brought out a product yet, right? It said, Yeah, you know, that's something that we gotta talk about. If it's interesting to you, then I'll I'll set up a meeting and come back in a couple of days to bring it because you don't want to, you know, you, you want to keep that process going. Right. Yep. And so, so that's the toolbox, but it's a systematic toolbox and do it the same way with every company so that now I have marketing engaged. I have R and D engaged in this value proposition creativity. I didn't do it. I did it with a team. I have everybody bought into it we argue, we agree, you know, we cry together, but at the end of the day, we come out and say, okay, we think this is the best approach. That's only the beginning. The second piece is, is going launching that and trying that and being able to be open and accepting to the fact that you're probably wrong. So you need that feedback loop in to tell you that, hey, this works, this doesn't work. Okay, great, do more of that and less of that. Stop doing that. Why doesn't it work though? That's the question. What is it about this that isn't working? Is it is it our thought process or is it the words that we're using? Is it how we're conveying it? Now let's change it or get rid of it completely. So you have to have that complete feedback loop so that you're constantly pivoting to what will work. And then competitors come out. They change the conversation. So you've got to keep that system going as long as you can do that then you'll stay ahead of the game, have a very open culture, a very team culture, a very learning culture is what I call it, that's willing to get um, to hear that they're wrong, including myself, saying, well, that was stupid. We shouldn't have done that. That's fine. But what else should we do? Don't tell me that's not working. Tell me what will work. Right. And so that's the kind of thing. So it's not a tool like I'm not buying a software program. It's more about, you know, natural sales ability and understanding, you know, the, how to communicate value, right. How to get that conversation going, how not to be that, that guy who throws that cervical implant at a doctor and says, look at my shiny features. Right. Yeah. Because we could have done that because the product that we had was about half the size of the other implants that were going out there. And you could just probably sold it on the size. Um, But that wouldn't have gotten you repeat same store sales. So yeah. Hopefully that answers it. It's a long it's a, it's oh, it I does. don't have like a this is what I bought. This is a tool. It's yeah, a system yeah. and a process to be able to create value cuz creating value is expensive and um and it takes time.
1: Yeah. It absolutely answered the question, and I think it answered it um, in a very compelling way because you talked about some things that are absolutely critical in everything in life, right? So you're talking—I heard you talk about fundamentals, right? There are right. there are elements that are just fundamental to you know how we sell, how we communicate, um, and also fundamental to you know what a, what really good salespeople and sales leaders do is they get people communicating. Um, on both sides of the sale, right? So internally, like you talked about, lining up and making sure that people understand, because rarely do they, and right. you know, because everybody has different um, incentives, everybody has different beliefs, everybody has you know these different uh, things, battles that they're fighting, and so you have to get that aligned or as best you can, and then you take that message out there, um, and of course there's tweaking it too, just like you said, right? So then you kind of come back, and and I love the full cycle of what you painted there. So I think, you know, your experience is very similar to mine. And I think anybody that's ever sold anything that's technical, that involves engineering, that is complex, has struggled with these same things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, it, and it's, it's funny though, because you struggle only if you struggle. Right. Yeah. And I think it's more about being open to the possibilities of, you know, what could be better. You know, it's like, you could say, well, you're going to bring the same process. You know, you you sold pain management to sell ENT. It's like, no, it's the outline to get the information, to understand the value, then to communicate it, right? And we can make it hard by just pretending that we're just going to do it the same way we did over there, which is not, not the case. Um, and we can make it harder by not being open and honest about the customer. So, because um, uh, unfortunately... Um, in the in the startup world, and, I, and whether it's medical or anywhere, every every founder believes their baby is the most beautiful baby in the world, and it's gonna sell itself. And if you just say yep. these three words, right, everyone's gonna understand and buy it. And it's like I tell people, if you hear that, run. You know, <laughs> it, you because know, unless you can influence the the organization and change, because that's when it gets hard. Yeah. Right when there's a very rigid understanding of what I should say, and I know there's companies out there that will, I, you know, in the software business have a very stringent process of you say this, 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 and this. That may work. I don't know. I can't comment on that. But I know when I'm with a doctor face to face or any sort of healthcare provider face to face, or a medical device person in another company, that doesn't work. Right. It's a, and, it, and maybe it's because we're dealing with patients and there's another person at the end of that, right? And um, it's much more meaningful, impactful and emotional um, when, you know, you see a patient who's had your procedure, not your procedure, the doctor's procedure with your product and comes back and their life has changed. You don't get a lot of that from HR software, you know, so you. Yeah. There, there's a difference.
1: Yeah, but you know, you, you mentioned something there that is so important, emotion, right? People buy emotionally. And each person that is it impacts that sales process, I believe you have to find out what the emotional impact is for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, in and, and I think it's a great analogy to, or, you know, when you talked about the size of that implant being smaller and so, yeah, you could, you could lead with that, but there's not a whole lot of emotion in smaller, right. there's a lot of emotion in getting people off opioids and the, right. the powerful impact, right? That's right. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think you're, you're spot on. And, and I do think even in HR software, um, there is still, you know, the people in HR and there's the employees and, and there's, you know, there's an emotional element. I mean, we all ultimately are, uh, you know, just trying to get better. And so I think, you know, salespeople in any line of work can learn from, you know, what you're talking about and can probably relate to a lot of what you're talking about, Um and I think another thing that you've, you've been doing that I want to highlight is storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, those two stories you told, uh, first of all, you're a really good storyteller and that's, that's part of why you're good at sales. Um, but I think also, you know, the ability to uh, by telling a story, get people to relate and to understand and to get emotional is mm-hmm. really. key.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I was just doing some sales training today remotely and, um, and it was on a, on a, a, cause we're doing a lot, obviously with zoom now, you know, the yeah. way the world is and walking through. And I said, listen, you got to stop reading the slides. You got to start telling a story, right? You got to put emotion into it and, and say it much more. Um, I don't want to say rapidly, but succinctly with a point and tell that story. Cause, um, and, and it's, you know, I, don't, you know, I don't know how old you are or who, who's listening to this thing, but Bill Cosby, even though his name's non grata these days, he had a, a special that he did. It's got to be in the 80s, early 80s, where he sat on stage and he had just a chair. And he sat in that chair, and the only thing that would change was the um, colors of the background, of whether it was a drape or whatever, the, the color and lighting would change. That was it. And he would tell stories just sitting there, and in your head, you could picture him at the kitchen table with his kids in their pajamas, with their fork and knife in their hand, jumping up and down at the, at the breakfast table as he's serving them chocolate cake for breakfast. And Dad is say, they're saying, Dad is great, gives us a chocolate cake, right? And um, yes. he's just telling the story. But you would think you walked away and a play was going on behind him. But there was nobody but him and a chair, yeah. right? Yeah. So that just tells you how powerful um, storytelling is. And I try to, because then emotion can, can come out of that conversation, telling that story. Yes. And, um, and so it's very impactful, very impactful.
1: Yeah, and and I think you know David Sandler says uh, you know sales is a Broadway play put on by a psychiatrist.
0: That's right? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's true. Um, it is. It is absolutely true. I mean, when when you're doing it well and you're doing it right, that's exactly what it is, right? Because, and again, it's not about manipulating people. It's about no. helping people to understand. Like, you, and you said another word that's really important: succinct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, salespeople oftentimes get way too enamored with hearing themselves speak, rather than choosing their spots, making the point succinctly and then letting the customer talk, right? And letting them talk as long as they want to talk. And another thing you've talked about, Jim, which is really important is you show it, whatever you have to show, you show it at the, you know, you you wait as long as you can to show it, right? Because that's what, you know, that's what they're waiting for. And I need to get the information that I need first. Um, So not sure, you know, I, I have to be careful not to short circuit the process.
0: Right. So a funny story, though, another story, right? Yeah. I was yeah, in the spinal implant business, and I was actually doing quite well in the beginning uh, and throughout the career, but I was trying to get this doc. Um, I had his, like we were talking about earlier, I had his cervical plating business, but I didn't have anything else, which is lumbar and trauma and scoliosis. I didn't have anything. He just gave me a cervical. And um, I finally got a meeting. I went to his office, and I had this equipment that's a new system that we had, and I laid it out in an exam room and so that I could demonstrate how great my features were. This doc came in, and you get a picture exam room with the little counter and the table, and I had all my stuff in a circle, like a, an L shape. He walked by, picked up the thing, asked a few questions, and then he walked right out the door. Right. And I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. I yeah. and 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 that's when I said I will never do that again. Right. I will yeah. never bring out my product again. I you know, and it was like, hey, and this is another fallacy. You only have five minutes. Well, you only have five minutes if you're uh, if you bring no value. Right. Yeah. You'll get an hour if you're bringing value. Well, I got five minutes and I deserve five minutes. You know, and exactly it, right.
1: Yeah. I love that. I got five minutes because I deserved it. Because the thing I was thinking as as you said that is, um, a lot of there are people out there who would have had that experience and tried to blame it on the doctor, right? Yeah. Rather than rather than accept the responsibility that oh my gosh I just screwed that up and I'm never going to do it again. Yeah. You know that's exactly. Maybe I don't even know what I'm going to do. I just know I'm not going to do
0: that. That's right. No, that's (laughs) right. Exactly. I've got you know I'm on LinkedIn. I I publish you know, articles and, you know, I post a lot, but I have an article. Um, I just recently republished, I published it like four years ago and it's like, I was the worst sales, medical sales um, person in the world at one time. And I tell stories, you know, and then I have another one that says, here's proof that I was. So, um, so two really, um, real world life examples of me being an idiot, but, um, you have to start somewhere and you learn, you know, and then, And then the great thing is learn from others that are succeeding as well. Pick their brain, find out why they're succeeding. Um, You know, for people listening to this, you know, it's, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know the demographics, but if you're around somebody who's just negative in the company, just stay away from them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, surround yourself with those that are succeeding. And then there's a difference between being negative and trying to articulate problems, but also searching for solutions. So you got to yeah. be careful of the two because they could be be mixed up. But um, it's okay to go. I don't get it. I'm looking for an answer versus this sucks and it's not my fault. So exactly,
1: yeah. Stick with the winners and own it. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, I could swap stories with you and listen to you because you're reminding me of so many things that are that are so important. Um, but let's shift shift gears to uh, podcasting because podcasting yeah. is something that. You know, it's near and dear to uh, my heart and, uh, you know, what we're doing with Business Black Belts and at Veth Group. Um, so uh, just talk to me about, you know, Medical Sales Nation and, and you know, sure. why
0: you got into it and, and
1: how it's going.
0: Yeah, so we started, I have to even look, it's probably three, three and a half years from now. Um, when I went on to these different companies, um, I had a, a gentleman, his name is Charlie Johnson. And Charlie was a veteran at U.S. Surgical um, and was a VP of sales there and then took over clinical training and sales training. U.S. Surgical was bought by Tyco. He left after Tyco acquired him. U.S. Surgical became Covidian and now Covidian was acquired by Medtronic. So mm-hmm. follow that you know progression of yeah. acquisitions. But Charlie you know, is an icon in the industry and he became a training consultant. And when I was at Sophomore Danic, I ended up becoming the first direct sales manager for this company, Sophomore danic Everything was done through distributors. And so I was a guinea pig and they, they gave, um, and they hired Charlie to start training some of the distributors and managers as we were growing. And I got to know Charlie. And when I went on to different companies, I hired Charlie to help me build the training programs. And then Charlie and I would get on the phone and we would talk about sales, sales management, leadership, Training negotiation, and one day I just said to him, "I go, you know, I don't know what my dad really did for a living. I mean, I know what his title was, but that's it." And I said, "You know, now with today's technology, I'd love nothing more than to do a podcast to give back to the folks that are coming up behind me, and behind us, because Charlie was quite, you know, about fifteen or seventeen years older than I was, and um, and for my kids, they can hear their dad talk." right? They can hear their dad, you know, 50 years from now, my grandkids could listen to their, you know, grandfather, great grandfather talk about, you know, his life's work, you know? And so I said, why don't we give back? And so Charlie and I started talking about all those sales things. Charlie, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, got busy with other things and I ended up taking the podcast and started bringing in, um, um VCs executive recruiters CEOs of of startups and um different chief commercial officers and started just interviewing people about the medical device world about skill set development what it's going to take the changing environment and it was just it's just a hobby it was just something I wanted to do for fun and I wanted to give back to the community that's been so good to me and uh you know, it's, it's just been fun. I, you know, we laugh a lot on the, on the podcast and, you know, tell a lot of stories. And um, I mean, really, that's how I got into it. And I had a friend help me set it up. And I, I use a, you know, $35 Logitech headset and Skype and Ecamm, which is a software program. And edit it myself and put it out there. So it's, uh, it's a one man show. You can hear my dogs barking in the background every once in a while. So, you know, so it's just fun. Yeah. It is
1: in our podcast is much the same way. I mean, um, you know, we, we believe that casual is, uh, is okay. And actually in many ways more fun and more approachable for people. Um, so what kind of reach, uh, have you been able to, uh, achieve?
0: Yeah. So I don't have like all the statistics on it because I can't follow what's on Apple podcast because I just don't know how to do it and, and I don't care. But yeah. I, just on Spotify, I'll get analytics and at the minimum, I'll have a thousand listens. Um, I've got stuff up to two, three thousand um, listens on, on, on some of the podcasts. And as my network grows, that grows. And so even like posting on LinkedIn, um, you know, like I, I, I shared with you earlier, I've, I have put out a post like a week ago. It's got 28,000 views and it's from it salespeople all the way up to founders, executives, and whoever. I got doctors listening to it now and reading it too. So, um, and, and I think the reason is, is because it's just an authentic voice no Mm -hmm. agenda. I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's just sharing information and communicating and um, sharing life experiences. And um, I will be coming out on this podcast with the how to build um, commercial organizations and something that I've never done before. But in the changing healthcare world, what I did 20 years ago, does it still work? Yeah, but it's evolved and changed. And the way in which healthcare is changing, and it is changing, is that um, pre-commercialization analysis needs to be done before hiring sales um, VPs and marketing folks. Much more information, much more work has to be done pre-vice president of sales and marketing. Like a lot more work has to be done. If you do it incorrectly, your your venture rounds are going to be diminished. And you're going to have a down round for those listening. That means if I raised $30 million and the share was a dollar, now I'm going to raise $30 million and it's costing, you know, 50 cents a share. And yeah. so I've just diluted the value of my company, right? Yeah. And so, um, so what I've learned just by being in startups, by seeing this, what happens, talking to, you know, founders of companies and, and listening, like I was talking to someone, you know, about six months ago, telling me how they're going to do 15 million of sales and they're going to hire 15 reps and, but those reps won't be up and running until like April. And I'm like, okay, so you want to do a million dollars in nine months and yet they really won't be launched until April. It's like, yeah. I'm like, where did you get that from? You know, Yeah. it's, yep. it's, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I don't have all the answers, but it was like, Hmm. We, we need to learn a lot more before we commercialize today than we did 20 years ago, like 30 years ago. Here's 30 million bucks, go hire 30 reps. You can make a lot of mistakes and yeah. still raise a lot of money. Now it's a lot different. So we're going to be talking on the on the podcast over the next six months about, I have a, I have a, a partner, if you will, now who's um, more of a marketing specialist. And so that, that team between sales and marketing, there's always that fight you hear about it. Oh, Marketing doesn't do their job. Sales doesn't do the job. It's the dumbest argument in the world. You guys are on the same team. Should be working closer together than ever before. And much more um, engaged to that pre-commercial launch. There's so much more, especially in the medical field, that you have to learn about your market. And who's going to buy it? Why are they going to buy it? Doctors are more closely tied to hospitals than they've ever been. So some of them are employees now, so their decision making process is completely changed. So you have mm. to take all these things into consideration. And so we're just going to be talking about that. What we, you know, what we think you should be doing. And if you're a founder, uh, and there's a lot of young founders of medical device companies, especially in digital health, that are coming out, um, and we're just trying to give back. You know, based on experience, this is what we think you should do.
1: It's really great because, and I think it's been so successful. I'm a big believer in, you know, the power of intent. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what you said is I want to give back and, you know, my intention is not anything, uh, you know, other than just getting people together because it's fun because you're passionate about what you do. You like it. You know, you, you obviously have learned a lot and have something to give. and, And I think when we do that, no matter whether it be professionally or personally, at least for me, things always turn out well.
0: Yeah. Well, and it has, and that's interesting that you say that because, I never look at it as a pain, right? I look yeah. at it as something fun, but on the on the other aspect like when I started this podcast, I don't think there was maybe one or two other podcasts in the medical field. Now there's like 50 that do what I do and I so I stopped because I was like I don't I I don't want to be a part of this group. They're they're basically doing what I've done. And I'm not saying they copied me, but I I got to find something else. And that's why we're going in this different direction, found this partner and go, let's talk about commercialization. Let's talk about a blueprint to success that we think is a blueprint to move forward versus what happened in the past. I'm done talking about the past. Now let's talk about the future, right? So it's it's a, and because of that experience of being in startups and building these things, I have a, I have a foundation to, to stand on. To be able to talk about it I didn't read it in a book I got my teeth knocked out right so yeah. you know just like
1: on the south side of Chicago that's right, right.
0: that's right <laughs> Go, so let's,
1: let's bring it home let's talk about uh, Jim the person right you, you mentioned your kids you know yeah. what do you do in, in your free time
0: so it, it depends so we we're, we live in uh, we moved from Chicago into Wisconsin so we're around a lake called Lake Geneva and um so there's a lot of outdoor stuff that we do, you know, boating, hiking, biking, anything we can. And then in the winters, we're coming down to Florida um, just for three months, renting a place last two winters because our kids are out of, out of the house. And uh, same thing, outdoor activities as much as we can. And uh, not, not a big golfer I used to be. Now I'm getting back into it this summer. I've committed to, uh, you know, losing – 20 balls every nine holes so you know <laughs> you both yeah. right so uh, you know that's about it
1: awesome Jim thank you so much uh, what is the best way for people to find you you know you mentioned LinkedIn
0: um, yeah it's really just LinkedIn um, yeah you know is is to find me there you know connect with me and uh, you know it's the best way of doing it I don't have uh, Instagram or TikTok or, you know, <laughs> any of that stuff, right? So We're going to get you on TikTok, Jim. Yeah, I promise. that's what I need. Okay. My daughters keep telling me they're filming me from afar, so I'm, I might be for all I know.
1: <laughs> my daughter's the same way. I am on TikTok because my daughter's on TikTok, and it's how I <laughs> monitor her activity. So... Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, Explorer Surgical, VP of Sales at uh, Explorer Surgical, and then Medical Sales Nation. So definitely check out his podcast and um, you know look forward to staying in touch with the Jim. This was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you so much for having me again. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.